1: today on the shift daily podcast, what will truth and reconciliation day look like 10 years from now, Max find indigenous government relations expert and chief executive officer of War Shield tells us where Canada is succeeding and failing at reconciliation with indigenous people. He also tells us how to have the difficult conversations surrounding it. Here are the incredible stories of Canada's indigenous lands and people from Danae Robinson, creator director of True Story honoring National Day of Truth and Reconciliation It's officially out on history. We hear more about the the upcoming documentary on the history channel stack tv and more plus are you okay with donuts it's all on the shift daily podcast this is the shift podcast are you okay with donuts
2: yeah oh right i could go for a birthday cake to, uh, timbit right about now
1: yeah well, now it, it is your birthday it. this season
0: Timbit is right. yeah, it is
2: your birthday season, yeah. And a Timbit yep. is a donut hole, technically, right?
0: Well, that's originally what it was. So it's yes. not technically okay. a donut.
2: Right? Hey, I'd take it in a full size. They just don't do that. So the, mm. I'd like that flavor, but you can't get it, as far as I know, in mm. a full proper donut. So I have to settle for the Timbit. And if I have to go with a full donut, it's either going to be chocolate glaze or sour cream glaze which shane and i know the magic mm, yes. of the sour cream glaze bagel or bagel <laughs>
1: Oof, oh my god that would be gross <laughs> well, yeah. yeah
0: well they don't have uh too many cauliflower donuts that i know of so i haven't had a donut in a while i gotta say ever since i i don't work the day shift anymore it used to be regulars. Mm. Someone just bringing a box of donuts and throw it yeah. on the lunchroom table and they'd be gone
1: in 14 seconds but right. uh, yeah it's always a sales guys yeah um Well we have one character and character that we all know and love who loves the donuts. So I mean, hey!
0: Good morning, father dear. Hope you're well. Are we taking the new Lexus to Aunt Patty and Selma's funeral today?
1: Hmm, fabulous
0: house, well-behaved kids, sisters-in-law dead, luxury sedan. Woohoo! I hit the jackpot! Marge, dear, would you kindly pass me a donut? Donut? What's a donut?
1: It's raining again. Uh, mini donuts, Catherine says, in particular. Chuck or Dan, I love donuts. I could go for a Dutchie right now. Yeah. Um, It's raining donuts on the Simpsons. Canada's home to some very good donuts. Uh, Ryan spells donuts like doughnut. Yeah, because which... it's
2: a dough and a nut. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not really a nut, is it? I don't know where we came. I don't know where we how we added nut to the dough thing there. But
1: uh, yeah. Good question. The history of the donut. That'd be a good one. It's also spelled the American. The D O N U T would be the, it's the American way, right? Circular, circular doughy thing. Pastry with a hole in the middle. Well, you can't go wrong with the Timmy's donuts. They are very, very good. The Boston cream is also very good. They're bringing back the orange shirt day donut. Now, this is what they say, proceeds raised in the rest of Canada will go on to the Orange Shirt Society and the Indian Residential School Survivors Society. The campaign was developed with a group of Indigenous Tim Hortons owners. Half of the proceeds from Saskatchewan will support the James Smith Cree Nation Community Fund, which is being dis- established for the community that suffered a horrific tragedy earlier this month that left ten people dead and eighteen others injured. Last year, more than one million orange sprinkled donuts were sold across Canada that raised over one point six million for Orange Shirt Society and Indian Residential School Survivors. So, are you okay with this serious chat on Are You Okay? What do you think BK? I'll start. It's, um, it, it's, it generated money for these organizations. So that's a positive. I think that's really great. It is marketing though. And that does raise for some suspect because it's proceeds. And my biggest question that I have is if it matters to you as an organization, why not just make the donation? Why does, why? Because you're giving up the proceeds, right? So it's not costing you anything. People just aren't buying another one of your donuts, but they're probably buying coffee and a sandwich and whatever, whatever. So you're profiting off of this. So I have mixed emotion about it. It's fantastic that Tim Hortons is doing $1.6 million of fundraising. They have an unbelievable amount of reach to be able to do these kinds of things. But at the same time, why not just, make the donation. BK?
0: Yeah, I would tend to agree with that statement almost completely. Uh, Why not just make the donation? I know that they, cynically, they do a lot of these things for, you know, good PR, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, helps bring in revenue for their company. Um, If they just made a donation, though, that would also be good PR, would it not? It'd be like, look, Tim Hortons just gave so yeah i I would be more inclined if they I would be more inclined to think this was one hundred percent good if they just went ahead and did the donation as opposed but to they're, this
1: they're technically this is the catch though they're i mean they're making the donation yes, but it's really not their money. they've just offered it at a discount yeah. and it's your money. They're getting paid back their costs, right. So they might be giving up other sales, but they're inheriting other products with the sales. So technically, while they're making the donation, you're the one who's, you know, choosing that donut. What do you think, Ray?
2: Well, yeah, I I, I would agree as well. The amount of money raised is no joke. I think the fact that indigenous franchise owners work with it is great. So it's not just a bunch mm-hmm. of Tim Hortons execs at a boardroom making the decision on their own. I think that's good, but I actually don't have a problem with the donut itself. The problem I have is that the only, if I go into Tim Hortons tomorrow and I buy my farmer's wrap, if I don't buy that donut, the no money, money doesn't goes. go and isn't donated. So if they just say, uh, 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 this amount of proceeds from all of our transactions today, will go here. And as a bonus, we also have this special donut, as well i think i think mm-hmm. that's great i think you could do a better job of it but i is it better than nothing i would yeah. say no but it's not quite what it should be
1: well it's the marketing like, part right yeah. like we've you see it with yeah. mcdonald's and you see it with cookies and smile cookies and and all those things i mean th- th- these are marketing campaigns you've seen it with very large telecom companies that uh match your donation um for mental health, right? Like it's marketing is what it is. And but at the same time it's something. It's like our guest Max said when he said, look, it's not just an orange shirt, but if it starts with an orange shirt, perfect. Right? So it's a tough one on this day. My invitation for you is this if you uh want a donut, go buy a donut from Tim Hortons and make it an orange sprinkle donut and have the proceeds go there. And if you want to do donations and educate yourself and get in front of this conversation, then go and do that. Get in front of the conversation. Um, I think I'm just going to throw this challenge out there. We can be better. This is really good. It's a great start. It really is because it's something. It's $1.6 million. That's nothing to sneeze at. Like It's a lot, and it's generous. They could have kept that money. But we can be better. I think we can be better. I think we as consumers can demand more from the companies we subscribe to. And I think that uh, companies can be better to not, uh, mix social issues and marketing together for profit. And, um, and at the same time, at the risk of sounding like I'm sitting on the fence, I'm really grateful that they did $1.6 million last year and look forward to the number. Hopefully it's bigger, uh, this year. It's not black and white, is it? Absolutely not. This is the Shift Podcast. Truth and Reconciliation Day is an opportunity and silly. I'll say it right out there. Now, let me explain before you get mad. Um, It's silly because we shouldn't have to have a day set aside to talk about these things that we all know we need to talk about. Now, at the same time, the opportunity is okay. It's not perfect but if it's a start let's take it and run with it my guest right now for this conversation um, has two roles here his name is max Finday, and max Tequan, actually is his full first name i call him max and max works with indigenous groups he's a ceo of a group called warshield indigenous government relations firm works hand in hand with many different um, communities and he's a citizen of Sweetgrass First Nation, which is Treaty 6. And Max is also a friend. And I will, full disclosure on this one, Max is the kind of friend that I can talk to any, we can talk to any topic. So a really exciting opportunity to do this and uh, and do a little work together. Max, how are you, bud?
3: Yeah, Shane, doing uh, very well. In the last one, great to see you. Great to, great to be here with you.
1: Yeah, it is great to see you. And um, I... This is kind of cool. I, I say that Truth and Reconciliation Day is silly, and I don't want that to be offensive, but I really do mean that, Max. like this cannot, to me become a hallmark holiday of one of those check boxes that we fill out as Canadians, you know, one day of the year and not live into. That scares me that this is what we create with this. So I'm hoping we can talk about that a little bit and what what this could look like if we get it right.
3: Well, i think shane you know come come on now this is uh i think trc day should have the opportunity to be a hallmark holiday just in the same way that christmas does halloween yeah. does there can be some very We're gonna make tv movies. shows you get some tv shows some poorly written movies out of this <laughs> some good branding you know there's a lot of content out there you know yeah. For TRC day. It'd be great yeah
1: it'd be great well we could say well hey i mean i guess if it i mean in all fairness if it brings more conversation to the forefront. Maybe it's not all that bad. Maybe I'm just being a little bit square about it, but I do worry about that, that this is just a checkbox. What an opportunity though, what we're in front of. And frankly, it's a good excuse for me to bring you into my work world out of our personal world and to be able to do this too. So I'll take it all and be grateful for it. Um, truth and reconciliation day. Let's just start there. It's really our second crack at it as Canadians. Um, but really our first, cause last one was sort of like, Hey, by the way, take Friday off. Um, but here we are. How's your tone? How are you feeling going into it? Yeah, we
3: don't really talk about last years, right? Like last years was the dress rehearsal, and you know it was very sort of rushed and last minute, and people were people were out there, you know, desperately searching for for orange shirts, uh, like uh, like uh, that's like true, isn't it? Supply chain issue, you know, so yeah. you could get into your works corporate picture, you know, and you had the logo and everything. It was great. Yeah. I mean, listen, listen, I think. Um, for for me, I'm I'm an eternal optimist. Shane, you know this about me. I'm an eternal <laughs> optimist. I always think uh, the best about people and the best about Canadians. And this is, you know, what people say is is my biggest flaw: saying I give two Canadians too much rope and you know too much grace and all this sort of stuff. But listen, we're we're in a we're in a really unique moment as a country. Never in our history has um, ha- have these issues about truth and reconciliation and all, all of the very scary, dark, you know, horrible things that happened, never has um, all of these things gotten, you know, as much airtime, column inches, you know, uh, uh, speaking points in, in politicians' speeches across this country, R- right as, as we're talking today, you know, I'm, I'm in Regina and we'll be going tomorrow to, um, to uh, the Riders Stadium, which will be full of community members, residential school survivors. Um, you know, the Governor General is going to be there. I'm in the same hotel as her right now. And we're going to talk about what this moment is. We're going to be talking about what this moment means. And, uh, and if there's something that we can collectively, as a community, as a country, you know, as people, whether you're Indigenous or non-Indigenous, if there's something that we can do together to make things better. And I think for me, that's the litmus test, is are we making things better? And to the cynics and to the the skeptics, and, you know, I don't mean this as a a partisan uh, comment, but, you know, over the last 10 years, things have gotten better.
1: Well, and that that's a good point. Well, I think that we also just need to acknowledge the fact that inside Indigenous communities, there are different opinions about what this day should look like. And outside, there are also different opinions about what this day should look like, right? Like, it's not like you've got Indigenous communities and everybody's like, yep, thumbs up, this is great. Because some of them don't, some, some of the communities don't, don't agree or, or find that this is, this is fruitful. And then just like outside the community, some people have never been around Indigenous people in general they've never been around the culture they've never been uh, heard music other than you hearing it on the CBC on a Sunday afternoon show or something right like aside from that like some people this is completely foreign to and so i think that grace is really really important and i'm curious what the tone is like inside your conversations inside the communities i've heard this put two ways and this is my lens on it positive sort of like you imagine if this becomes a day of celebration music Dance culture, learning down the road, we get to a point where it's all about celebration of the culture. I have heard uh, even conversations on this show right here that some people think it should be more like Remembrance Day, more like looking backwards and mourning and all of those pieces. What are you hearing? I mean, you're a community member too with Sweetgrass, but w- what are you hearing? Um, probably some difference of opinion.
3: there's of difference of opinion. I, you know, I'm I'm lucky. My work takes me across the country um, to hear, you know, different perspectives from community members, you know, urban, but also uh, on reserve in the North, First Nations, Métis, uh, Inuit, um, you know, people who are coming back to their identity after having lost it uh, because, you know, their parents were taken away or their grandparents or whatever, all this sort of stuff. It's really, um, you know, it's really, really tough. Like my dad, listen, you couldn't get re- closer to residential school or, uh, in my family, right? Like, my dad is, is a survivor. It's not some, you know, black and white historical picture from, you know, generations ago. This is a guy that I'm, you know, sitting across the table with at breakfast, you know, telling me to pass the ketchup, you know. And um, and he re- he really got the worst of it. You know, and um, and you know, he he suffered sort of immeasurably uh, throughout his childhood and blah 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 all this sort of stuff, right? Like we know, we know, we've heard we've heard the stories, we've seen the heritage minute, yada yada yada.
1: Firsthand, right? Right, yeah,
3: exactly. And um, you know, what what's he gonna do on on TRC day? I think you know, probably watch the news. You know, maybe go out go out with my dog, have a cigarette. You know, all this sort of stuff. I don't I don't know. That it will be um, a great deal of, of meaning for him, and then you have you have somebody like me, right? Like one generation removed. That's all the first generation in my family not to be taken, you know, forcibly taken from my parents. Just I'm the first one. Yeah, wow. It's funny when you think about it,
1: yeah, that's crazy.
3: Um, to me, you know, this this day means something. This day means that we have opportunity to go back to you know, the foundation of the treaty relationship. You know, when, when the West was first settled, when, when uh, non-Indigenous people white guys first came to places like Saskatchewan, we, we agreed on what the relationship was gonna be um, all about between First Nations and, and the new settlers. It was, it was gonna be based on peace and prosperity and mutual benefit. Those were the foundations uh, that Canada was built on, right? Those were the foundations of the treaty relationship. Now, somewhere along the way, right, we got we got lost. And we we can take some pretty good guesses as to why that happened. But for me, you know, I think about um tomorrow or, you know, on, on TRC Day, there's gonna be a lot of um, there's gonna be a lot of peace and friendship. There's going to be um, conversations about mutual benefit, right? And there's going to be, you know, uh, some visioning about what prosperity looks like for First Nations, something that has eluded us for generations and for hundreds of years. I think those are the kinds of conversations that we're going to be having on TRC Day. And that's why, you know, that's why I can't help but be hopeful.
1: Uh, it's beautifully positive. I can't help but think of, you know, those those old folks from so many generations ago and those old notions of these agreements that were supposed to be fulfilled, but, you know, in a lot of ways they weren't, and in some ways they were, um, and some of them were put on pause and some of them were forgotten about. But I can't help but think of the way that we do things. And this is maybe a hard question, and I'm asking this question, Max, because you and I have... Uh, a personal relationship. And I know that you've given me the space to be able to talk about these things. We've asked, we've talked about a lot of things privately. Um, And so I'm going to ask this question because I think it's a question that most people are afraid to ask. Um, I mean, you uh, are an indigenous guy. Does this, do these things help land acknowledgements? I've always wondered because I'm playfully, because you and I'll be playful. I feel like some communities do a really great job where there is a um you know uh, a a community leader that stands up and i think the oilers do a fantastic job with the the guy on the screen and they like and he makes a declaration of welcome to our land kind of Cole's notes. But then you have these other places where you have a guy like me who is like (laughs) as European, like my family is as English, literally English Norman. Like not only did we take over England and Ireland, we also tried to take France. Like that is my blood. If I go up there and I'm like, hey, by the way, Max, just wanted to acknowledge that this place is yours and I'm here and you don't get it back now. That to me seems like it's offside and that's where I think truth and reconciliation day can go sideways really quick if we're not careful and don't do it the right way. So is there a difference of opinion on that or am I being oversensitive about it?
3: Shane, you're, you're, you are rarely oversensitive, but here's what I'll say about, you know, land acknowledgements and these things that have come to sort of like, you know, be contemporary, particularly around progressive circles. It's that they, they have to mean something, right? Spare me, spare us all from another platitude land acknowledgement where, you know, the person reciting it mispronounces the names of the host nations. Exactly. Yeah. Well, who mis, you know, misidentifies the, the treaty territory, right? And, you know, who's who's reading so closely and meticulously on the sheet of paper that's Three inches from their face lest they make a mistake or you know go off script and god forbid have to express in a per- a personal opinion people are so afraid Shane. it's 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 mind-boggling to me because at that point you don't have anything meaningful you don't have a relationship you have a platitude which really i mean that's not that's not for me that's not for first nations people you're doing no. that before no. you are performing you're performing something that you think is, is the socially progressive thing to do, which ends up just being a waste of everybody's time. And if, you know, listen, this is fair warning to all your listeners. If I'm in the room and they do, you know, you do a performative land acknowledgement that doesn't really mean anything, I'm going to groan loudly because I've sat <laughs> through way too many of them. Yeah. To ever, to ever waste my life on that
1: again. Yeah. Well, and to me, and uh, I always say, look, if you care, uh get involved in the community, get in front of a community leader, learn about the community, and acknowledge that. Like, yeah. thanks to Steve, who showed me around today, is to me seems more meaningful than anything else, right? Like that to me. Uh, Seems like a so but then we have this generation and this is where truth and reconciliation day gets weird We have this generation guys like me I grew up uh, my elementary school in Port Alberni and in Port Alberni tons of indigenous community there You learn about the culture. You're surrounded by the culture. You learn about the totem You learn about all of the things the art the everything just so beautiful, right? I mean the fish is a big one and then I moved to Fort McMurray. And in Fort McMurray, surrounded by Mackay and Chip and uh, Anzac and all those places, you were literally, uh, the city of Fort McMurray, Wood, which is now all Wood Buffalo, is surrounded by all those communities. You, The guys on your hockey team, the people you went to school with, all of your friends, I mean, you were around the community. So um, I was lucky. I like to say that I, I, I'm lucky because I was exposed to it in a lot of ways. But my generation to that platitude shame thing that we feel like we have to BS about that, that it's my fault. Well, no, it's my opportunity to recreate what this looks like. Yes. But a lot of people are like, well, why is this my shame on this day when it was two generations ago that this happened? And how do we get through that part?
3: Mm -hmm. And you know what, that's like, that is the question because there are, you know, a number of members of, my community, who want who want non-Indigenous Canadians to feel that shame, who want, uh, you know, the white guys to feel this sort of personal guilt, you know, about residential school or about, you know, land theft or, you know, treaties not being fulfilled or, or these sorts of things it's some sort of, I don't know, I, I, I think it's about, you know, getting even with, with Canada, getting even with Canadians. And listen, I understand why people feel that way, Indigenous people lived in live today in, you know, uh, uh, abject poverty, third world conditions, no no running water, like no running water, simplest
1: of things like
3: that. We know what the list is. So I can understand why people are angry and they want, you know, revenge or retribution. I think that's human nature. It's not how I was raised. It's not, it's not, you know, the teachings that I, I was raised with or, or, or live by. And honestly, I've never seen anybody feel guilty or cry after watching a very sad movie about residential school at some community event like they feel like, you know, they, they were supposed to subject themselves to and then go off and, you know, commit themselves to being very, um, very dedicated to reconciliation. So, you know, I, ugh, people often say to me, they'll come up after I give a speech or, you know, something. They say, oh, I feel so, so guilty. I feel so bad. And I try in a very polite way to tell them, well, that's not, that's not for me. You're not feeling, that doesn't help me. That's, you know, that's your own reaction, trying to alleviate, you know, the emotions that, that were brought up when you learned about the horrific history of this country, probably for the first time. Um, but instead of feeling that, why don't you, you know, do X, Y, or Z? Why don't you go and, and get involved in the community? Why don't you go and, Find a charity and donate your time and your money. Why don't you go and and educate your family and friends about what you heard? It's great, you know, that you have you know indigenous people that you can point to at various moments in your life and say, you know, I played with uh, uh, indigenous people on my hockey team, or you know, my school had a very predominant indigenous um, indigenous population. That that part is about being you know sort of accepting as indigenous people generally. You're not a racist if you do that. The harder part is about Recognizing that indigenous people are you know um, uh, uh, have a special designation in this country, that we have rights, you know over and above what Canadians have, and feeling okay with that, that you support you know uh, treaties being um, uh, you know uh, implemented in communities across this country, that you support the idea that you know, like the treaty said. Um, there should be, you know, a little red brick schoolhouse, which means that Indigenous people should have the right to education, that there should be a medicine chest kept in the house of an Indian agent, which means the right to health care, you know, and and all of these principles and practices of of self-determination, of non-interference that allows Indigenous communities to succeed socially, economically, culturally, these sorts of, that's the real litmus test for Canadians, can you can you do more than just you know have a great friend who just happens to be indigenous can you get on board with our rights and our ability to determine our own futures i think that is what is going to be what defines if we're successful or not in reconciliation for the next 20 years
1: that's a lot more than an orange t-shirt
3: <laughs> right let's start with an orange t-shirt <laughs> and maybe an orange donut from tim orange
1: maybe we could put that on an orange t-shirt um, no, I don't mean to diminish what you said. That's very powerful what you said. Um, and, and I get that. I feel like I, I truly, truly get that. And I think you put that back in our lap very, 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 very well. So when we look at what it is today, Truth and Reconciliation Day, I mean, we're trying it out. We're, we're dating, right? This is a new relationship with this day in Canada, all Canadians in this day and, and with community members, Indigenous community members on, on this day. Everyone's trying to navigate and figure out which way it goes. If we can imagine this ten years from now, Max, I mean, you're you you grew up you're in in treaty six and that's your that's your family. if you I mean, you, political science is your background. I mean, this is all the things. So this is the crossroads. What does this look like? Mm-hmm. Ten years from now? If you could paint a picture here, what does this look like when we start to get it right ten years from now, what does this day look like?
3: Mm. Yeah, I think a lot about you know i'm i'm thirty one. And um, in, in 10 years, I'm going to be in my 40s, which is sort of uh, terrifying easy. to think about. I mean, listen, I'm going to start getting tobacco. People are going to call me an elder. You know, this is, this is <laughs> where we're at in our 40s. I think, you know, Shane, I think a lot about what the story is that I'll be able to tell my descendants. And, you know, to to be here for this moment when TRC Day is, is beginning. And you know to know where we are today, there's still a lot of disparities for Indigenous communities. Nobody can argue that. There's still a lot of work to be done to make sure that um, Indigenous rights are, are upheld and expanded in this country. Nobody can argue that. Um, there's still a lot of heartache and pain in indigenous communities. And we see that played out over the news and in media time and time again. And so when I think about 10 years from now, I really want to be telling you know, my kids a really beautiful story. And I really want to be telling them about how things used to be and how hard things used to be and the difficulties that we encountered as native people and as and as canadians and i want to be able to say to them that you know in the last 10 years we've worked really hard and we don't see those sorts of hardships in our communities anymore i want to be able to tell them that reserves are places now where there's innovation where there's some of our brightest minds where there are our cultural practices and languages that are not only surviving, but flourishing. I want to be telling you know, my descendants that there are institutions of, of Native knowledge and Native economies, Native industry that are thriving across municipalities, big cities, um, right across the country. I want to be talking about you know, all the Indigenous decision-makers that we have in government, regardless of what party it is, and how they add To the political conversation in this country because they bring not only whatever expertise they were trained in, but also their Indigenous knowledge and experience with them into government. I want to be talking about all of the proud Indigenous people that we have across science, technology, arts, culture, you know, these sorts of things. And what a beautiful country, what a beautiful society we have left for them. And I want to be able to tell them that the work continues and that our work as, you know, as 40 and 50-year-olds, you know, is coming to a close. And that it's for them to take the beautiful world that we have created for them and continue to build it, continue to expand it, and continue to find peace, prosperity, and mutual benefit. That's what I want to be able to talk about in 10 years
1: max fine um is an indigenous government relations uh firm uh he, he that's what he does relationships with different uh, indigenous communities governments government bodies all that stuff but max is not only uh, an expert in all this political science is your, your background and, and not only all this and not to mention uh sweetgrass first nation i think what i hear there is that statement where you said where you're the first family member first generation in your family that hasn't been taken away for some residential fulfillment. Uh, And that's how close it is, right? That's how close we are to this. So when anybody feels like you don't quite understand the way that you just described it, think of that in your mind of, how is it that this can make sense? Well, tell you what. Let me introduce you to this expert I have on the radio right now. His name is Max. He's 31, and he's the first one in his family that hasn't had to go. That's how close it is when we feel like it's so far away. Now, you're a friend, and um, I trust you implicitly. Implicitly, Your, um, your impact on my life uh, is profound in our time that we've had together. Um, yeah, I find you inspiring. Um, I find your work ethic exhausting, um, for how hard you work Mm -hmm. and, um, your general spirit is, uh, something that I strive to be able to, um, dance with in general in my life. Mm -hmm. So what do I do, Max, how can I support you as your friend on this day? Like how, how do I, what do I, do I text you and say, Happy Truth and Reconciliation Day, right? Do I do I go out and learn something? Do I? I mean, I'm proud of this show that we've put together. Uh, so that's the thing. I mean, I I take this show very personally. How? What do I do for you as your friend on this day?
3: I mean, listen, Amazon gift cards, e transfers, you know, expensive steak dinners. <laughs> These said are you, all things. I'll send you
1: Keg gift cards. Yeah, you got it.
3: <laughs> I you know I really think it's about. It's about finding out what you don't know, right? It's about um, taking maybe what you think you know about indigenous people, applying, applying a lens and saying, is that really true? Who did I learn that from? Or thinking about what wasn't I taught in school? Because a lot of people were robbed of the opportunity to learn about native people in their schools, especially, you know, people in, in, the, in the Gen X or, you know, in the boomers, you know, the, there was just nothing there and, you know, listen, I I say it of opportunity. I mean that native people are great. We're very funny. We're very good looking. You know what I mean? There's, there's There's all of
1: you. Musically. I mean, I I would just even people, if you want an access point, just check out music, man. Oh
3: yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this is the great crime of our, of, of our country. So you have to, you have to figure out what you don't know. You start there. You, you do the best that you can. Right. And you understand that, that above all, First Nations people, Indigenous people are very forgiving. And that's where you start your journey. So if you're afraid to make a mistake, don't be. You know, I've made tons of mistakes in my life. My community has always welcomed me, welcomed me with open arms and a loving heart. And they do that with... Canadians, you think about everything that Indigenous people have endured in this country, um, never ha- have Native people really um, stood in malice or, or you know, uh, seeking revenge against this country. We've always just continued to talk about what we hope, what we love, and, and the values in which we live. So um, I think it's, it's with that that Canadians have to take the opportunity, the extended hand that Indigenous people have, and Take it in peace, in partnership, mutual benefit, and just do the best you can.
1: Max Dequan, find a Treaty 6 Sweetgrass First Nation, a friend and CEO of Warshield, Indigenous Government Relations Firm. If you have any questions, you can just literally go to, it's warshield.ca, right? Um, and go there and, and just connect. And that way you can ask questions and uh, get pointed in the right direction. And um, they're not an organization that has a bunch of resources for, by the way, learn this. But you know what? knowing people in connections with all of the communities around western canada and uh and all that too would be a great way to go max thanks for sharing your heart with us today and participating in this with me it does personally mean a lot to me i appreciate it
3: no that's a good shame anytime
1: this is the shift podcast Last year, Truth and Reconciliation Day was the first year that we did this as a formal day. Now, all the provinces are sorting out whether or not they're going to do the stat on this day. And when this first happened, I'm going to be honest, what I said was, I'm not quite sure Truth and Reconciliation is represented with a bunch of white folks getting a day off work. That didn't really add up for me. Now, in trying to learn and realize what becomes possible in this, this is where the conversation gets really, really cool. There is a show uh, that is coming up. It's History Channels documentary, uh, True Story. Danae Robinson, um, creator, director, and showrunner uh, here for that, uh, joins me to talk about this show and talk about what it means. Uh, Danae's background, um, your family from Swan Lake First Nation, you're from Winnipeg, you're in Winnipeg, and um, I was born in so Flon, so kind of just over there. And um and it's uh, it's really kind of an exciting time but at the same time there's lots of real serious stuff I think that you and I can talk about here that we need to bring to the forefront of what truly matters in this conversation. Thanks for being here, Danae. Uh, is that fair?
4: Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm I'm very happy to be here. Um I would say with with truth and reconciliation becoming a national stat day, um i'm just i'm worried that sometimes that the message behind why we should be pausing and reflecting as a nation on this day will often get lost with um caught up of getting you know an orange t-shirt um arguing should we have the day off should we not what what is the actual meaning behind it and i think that true story kind of opens the door to having that conversation. So, True Story is is very unique in the sense that we talk about um the relationship between indigenous people and settlers on the lands of what now is called Canada and <clears throat> and it's a complicated one. It's it's mm-hmm. not very easy to tell. And this documentary I think does a good job at breaking it down into um, snapshot moments for, for for the audience, and it opens the doorway to new learning.
1: Most of us don't understand, Danae, and I've just recently learned this as well. I mean, we we put Indigenous people into this pocket of all Indigenous people are the same. And mm-hmm. inside Indigenous people... Uh, the, the cultures are very different. We have had guests on over the last few years, uh, unrelated to any day other than curiosity about language. Just the amount of languages that are uh, similar or wildly different inside indigenous culture. And then you have, and I, this is new to me, um, I guess I always learned it, but I didn't actually put it together from a friend of mine who helped me and said, you know, you have to understand, like some of these communities are rooted communities. They've been there forever. And some of them are migrants. They actually move every year. They move every year. They move to different places, and they would move around these communities. So even inside what is Indigenous communities in Canada, it's unfair to say that it's Indigenous, therefore it's Indigenous, right? So we we do have to stop and pause, but we have to realize that there are nuances inside the country as a whole from place to place to place. Mm-hmm.
4: Absolutely. That was one of the one of the biggest um factors that I took into consideration once when when we were coming up with the idea of true story was factoring in as much diverse voices as possible. And I knew that we couldn't just tell the story from one perspective. We needed to include experts from all over because everyone's experience is going to be different. All of our um like are like they're all so vast um so we try to get as much diverse as diverse voices as possible we got experts from the east coast the west coast from up north the plains we have a metis expert we have a two-spirit expert people from great lakes that will help that help share this story and, mm-hmm. and as you said, that within that there's so much diversity and that's only just a handful of people. So to imagine how much stories and experiences are out there is quite tremendous.
1: Yeah, well, I'll give a specific example that I'm going to ask you more about the show and how you do that in the show. And this is what I've learned. So the Dene and the language around that, and I don't know all the proper words, so please correct me if I get some of the language incorrect. Um, that. It's speaking virtually the same language in the Northwest Territories, all the way up there, if you go down to as far as Phoenix, New Mexico, it's there's Dene language there. There's just like this strip of migration that kind of would happen over all the years of back and forth and back and forth. And then if you go just go a little bit to the west of that and a little bit to the east of that, you get wildly different languages. And that's just language. That's nothing more than just language. So that to me really goes to show that we don't really have that connection to learning about what the the actual storyline is of the communities of the cultures and all of that so when we talk about the show true story and um, and the history channels documentary what what can we look forward to that you're most excited about that gets shared with us um, how the basics of these beautiful communities really um, are uniquely different but uh, distinctly similar
4: Oh, yeah well it, it's just that it's the the diversity of it for the first um for the first beginning, the beginning of the documentary um is all about historic stories and and when I say stories a lot of times people think of it as as like you know a fictional story but we say it in a way that um the, the like these are languages, these are lessons, these are um, you know life skills that were passed down for generation to generation and um the first while these the first beginning of the documentary the stories are just about um these diverse communities you know um creation stories um roles the important roles that everyone had in communities you know um the importance of elders the importance of women um and two spirit people indigiqueer queer people in the communities and and how neighboring nations function together and the governance the the governing structures the political structures that um helped create this you know um flourishing nation of people that that inhabited these lands prior to contact.
1: Is that lost today in so many ways? I mean, the res structure in general causes many people to want to move away and, and chase different kinds of careers that might not be there um, on community land. And at the same time, uh, maybe that particular community doesn't have a lot of options for careers, people move away. So culture does get maybe not lost, but diluted. Um, And then at the same time, we, as the rest of the Canadians that aren't from the same background, have an awful lot to learn. Um, I think we learned a lot. I went to school on the West Coast uh, for elementary school, and then I went to school in Fort McMurray. And both of those communities, very surrounded with um, Indigenous culture, right? I mean, on Vancouver Island uh, like it, you're deeply embedded right in it all the time. And in Fort McMurray, because of, um, McKay and Anzac and Fort chip and all the places that were around there, we were in it all the time. I was lucky. Many people didn't have that same experience. So how do we take that notion of the, um, community kids that are trying to imagine the, parents and the grandparents are trying to be like, Hey, by the way, you got to learn this stuff. Go ahead, chase your career, but you got to learn the, this stuff. And at the same time, we've got to say to other people who have never been exposed to it, this stuff still matters. You got to learn this stuff too. How do we get there?
4: Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're, you're, you're quite lucky that you were, you were taught all of that in school. Um, I, I was not, um, I live in treaty one and I was never taught anything about treaties, Um, in in high school I didn't learn about treaties until I started um, pursuing that on my own educational career path and I think that a lot of people will not even be exposed to that in their lifetime and I think treaties is a good place to start understanding what they actually mean um when a lot of people hear the word treaties they think that it only pertains to indigenous people it only has to do with indigenous people but really it's what makes up canada it's what makes up it's how canada came to be a country and there's many different types of treaties which we also talk about in the documentary
1: So tell me about the history of that. I mean, some of us, most of us learned a little bit of it in school, but not a lot. And of course there is, you know, the residential school conversation and and the sort of the whitewashing of the story of that. I think we've acknowledged that, that there has been some dilution, if not whitewashing of of all that storyline. How has the history that's in true story been changed, been manipulated? And are there any pieces that we did get right of teaching what those, um, what the people, the land, um, the culture, moving it forward through teaching, do we get any of it really right today? And and what, what are we missing? What can we change right away?
4: I think what people get right and what they understand is that Indigenous people have a close relationship with the land and with animals and that it's a very close, important relationship. And um people understand and and it comes kind of like from a stereotypical um idea as well you know of you know indigenous people being very spiritual or you know protectors of the land but really that's 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 how we are like that's how we always were um you know that relationship is so important and it's and it's what enabled us to to live is understanding these nuances, is understanding the uh, that we only get one Earth, basically.
1: I love the 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 uh, the faith end of it, right? The creator part. I mean, I can hear those stories all day. Um, maybe it's my my hippie nature. Um, <laughs> I love the grounded nature, um, but at the same time, uh, it's fascinating to me. How does true story share that? How does true story? Uh, It's a documentary on the History Channel. Share Danae's point of view. If you weren't really exposed to this when you were younger and then as you became an adult, you decided to dig deep into the family, the culture, and and all the things, um, how does your perspective teach us or what can we see in True Story um, around that part?
4: Um, Well, I would say that the way True Story began it turned out a lot different from how we first intended it to be um, and that was really thanks to the experts. Once we started having conversations with them they really geared the stories that we wanted to present to everybody. They really helped shape the direction of where the documentary ultimately ended up and um, and as I said, i earlier, I've learned so much from this project as well and and I, I am just so grateful to be a part of it. And I hope other people watching also feel that same way that they were gifted with such thoughtful and special stories and information.
1: What's your um? What so? Do you have one moment? Did you have an aha moment when you're making this? Uh, whether it was your family or your community or just the the notions in general, did you have an aha moment as you learn about this history? Where you went, no way! Like, was there a was there an aha moment for you when you guys made true story?
4: I think it was under like coming to the realization that there is no just settler history and indigenous history, and we're separate. I think in high school we're often to- taught as you know like the the canadian government is very different from indigenous like everything is very separate but really it's it's combined indigenous history is settler history settler history is indigenous history once contact happened on these lands that that is where our combined history begins and oftentimes indigenous voices and um our perspectives are left out of of out of the out of the conversation and and i think that came that moment came when we were at we were somewhere um looking to film our recreations and the the one of the guides said oh that's indigenous history and that settler history there and i was thinking but no it's not like it, it's not it's it's shared history when you're on these lands, indigenous people have been here for thousands of years. And when settlers came here, that is when that history began together.
1: yeah, that's fascinating. Um, and what a what a unique look to be able to look at it backwards like that? And that sort of comes back to my original point. I think that you have just affirmed for me and my belief or learning anyway, that this um compartmentalization, of, of uh, indigenous peoples as just indigenous people. I mean, there are so many nuance and layers and layers to the onion of all of it. Right. Um, And, you know, there's history inside the history of groups that warred with each other and groups that, you know, combined and created bigger nations and, you know, there's so much to be learned there. So when we look at Truth and Reconciliation Day, and we talk about this, uh, Danae Robinson has a, a new documentary called True Story, it's on the History Channel. When we look at Truth and Reconciliation Day, how do we take this and not screw this up? Like I said off the top, like I don't think that this should just be a day off. How do you envision, uh, I'm just acknowledging that we're probably not getting it right off the top here, um, but it seems like there's an awful lot of people that are willing to dance and participate. Um, what do you imagine this day to be like down the road when we do start to get it right? What does it look like for you?
4: Um, it, it should be a day of of warning. Um, it, it's not going to be easy getting there. Um, residential schools is are is a horrific thing that happened. It's a real thing that happened. You know, children died in these places. Children were taken from their families. These things did happen and those are horrific things and i think we need to acknowledge that and understand that that impact still impacts indigenous people to this day and it will for 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 years to follow it's it's not going to just go away with 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 a day but i think people need to acknowledge what happened and and to listen and to to sit with that and to realize that something something terrible happened here and we need to listen to those that want to share their stories
1: uh, this or who is have fascinating shared their stories. yeah who have shared their stories thank you very much um you know it is fascinating when we look at um where this is. And it's people like you, Danae, that are taking a stand in the, I think the true nature of mentorship and teaching. Right. And I, I, what I think is really cool as I observe what you're up to is, um, the fact that, you know, all of us in our jobs, our passions, our careers, we all go from this place of, I didn't really know, but now I'm learning as opposed to just, you know, we can all be the experts, right? We can all, I'm an expert. I think when we start in just life in general from the place that you're sharing with us today of that, Hey, by the way, like I didn't know this either. Like (laughs) this is where we are today. That's inspiring to me. You you know, when your work that you're up to, like that's inspiring to me. I find that really, really cool Uh, as a person, you know, and we can all lean into our own work like that and take uh, this as an example of, of, you know, realizing that perhaps what we're in front of is not really what's going on. And I, that's where it hits me um, when I when I read and learned about what what you've got here with this documentary is that the title of true story is um, is interesting on all sides of it. There's a little dichotomy to all of it. Thank you. So we can check it out. It's on the History Channel. I'm going to post the trailer. We've got the uh, the True Story trailer up on our shiftheads.ca link so everyone can see what it's all about. Are there any access points where people can go to that inside your group uh, to uh, to learn more about True Story or what you're up to um, so people can learn more about the documentary or just the work in general that you recommend for everybody?
4: Um, I, I, I believe the hist- you could go to the History Channel website for that.
1: Yeah, it's um, on there, yeah.
4: But for like for further viewing, I know there's there's um, many documentaries that have been made about residential schools. One of them, of course, being We Were Children by Eagle Vision, and there's so much material out there that um, mm. that has been shared. If people are wanting to to learn further,
1: so what's next? You must be up to something because I mean, you don't just go into this <laughs> and create this amazingness and not go, hey, I got other ideas. Let's do more.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, so we, we're actually starting to work on season two of 7th Gen, and that airs on APTN. It's about young, uh, inspiring Indigenous people who have overcome hurdles in their life and are making changes in community and for themselves. Um, I'm also working on um, an anthology horror film. Uh, it's, it's based on three urban Indigenous legends.
1: Uh-huh.
4: And... So that'll be out soon, hopefully.
1: Well, I'm going to pass on the scary, but I'm going to—I'll let you tell, just because it scares the crap out of me. But I, I love your passion uh, with it.
4: <laughs> and then we are also working on a children's series called uh, Stevie and the uh, Stevie and the Sacred Animals.
1: Love it. That's more my style. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this, and please keep us in the loop what you get up to. I love the story, Absolutely. and. um yeah your work is inspiring so thank you so much for being here
0: thank you thanks thanks for listening to the shift podcast
1: make sure you subscribe rate and review the show and share with anyone you like get it on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and curiouscast.ca